Hello and welcome to Dead Man's Chest. It's been a while, I know, but for today's episode, it's something a little different. I was joined by a local author here in Guernsey called Nikki Harrison, and together we had a great chat about her new book, The Withering, and all the problems she had getting this book to print. I hope you enjoy it. Now, cue the music. Hello and welcome to Dead Man's Chest and something different for this episode. Uh, I am joined by a local author, Nikki. Hi. Hi. And Nikki's first book, The Withering, hit the shops, was it? 18th of August, yeah. August. And we're going to have a chat. We are going to have a chat. First of all, where did this start for you? because you've got an amazing website and I'll try and work out how to post some links and everything. (laughs) And the website's brilliant because you've got character bios, you've got a map of this world, you've got a calendar, you've got the history, I guess, which is going to play a part in the story we're reading. Yeah. That doesn't happen in two weeks. No, no, but it does happen in about five years. Five years. Um, I very naively, so I, I've got very little like professional writing background. I'm not like a English lit university person. I am just the kind of person that enjoys writing. It's always a bit of a hobby. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this kind of idea just snowballed out of pretty much nowhere. But very naively, I said, oh, you know, 30 before I'm 30 less. I want to write a book. I've had yeah. this idea just ticking over in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy, was that was that crazy? Was it was um, it kind of that thing of how hard can it be? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was writing this list tw- about six months before my birthday, uh, and yeah, totally nuts. That was not going to happen. Um, but yeah, thirty five, it did happen. <laughs> I know we met before. Yes. Just to have a chat, and you were saying there were so many challenges, particularly for the genres. Yes. Of it. Someone said there was too much. Yeah, so um, to be traditionally published is a feat on itself. I'm not, I'm hyper-published. Um, but the main obstacle I came up against was that the fantasy genre is flooded. There are so many fantastic authors in that genre that somebody who's a nobody is very rarely going to get picked up unless you have a niche. Yeah. I don't really. My, I, I'm just good old-fashioned fantasy fiction. It's kind of got that Witcher meets Lord of the Rings kind of vibe to it. Um, and yeah, I, I am a very small fish in a very big pond. <laughs> I was going to say that because the likes of, I guess, Harry Potter, yeah. The Witcher will have had a, a resurgence with the Netflix mm-hmm. show. And it, as mad as it sounds, things like Lord of the Rings would have had a resurgence. Yeah on the back of the films. Yeah. And even though, like you said, 
they've probably kicked the door open. Do they cast just too big a shadow? Sometimes. I mean, I think for the, so when I was reaching out to traditional publishers, I've reached out to quite a few. And I think I had all of one, maybe two replies, which was still a rejection, yeah. but you know, they actually took the 30 seconds to reject me. Um, and, uh, and they just said that, you know, it was in this genre, it is, unless you have, even if it's not in, in the fantasy genre, but you've got previous writing experience, like it might be other forms of fiction. So you've got a fan base. Okay. They'd be more likely to look at you. Right. But because there are some incredibly um, popular works, the chances of someone unknown getting that incredibly popular is, what's the point in them investing their money in it? Because they're probably not going to see that kind of return that they would expect from a fantasy genre. Um, so that was kind of the the general consensus from from the traditional publishers and from yeah. the agents, um, which was fine. And at the end of the day, I was like, well... Was that expected? From me, yes, I absolutely expected that. I thought there was no harm in trying. No. Um, but it was... I'd gotten to that point where I was... What I've done um, and actually make it real rather than just, you know, being a dream. <laughs> so hybrid publishing. Yeah is um so it's so hybrid is universally quite misunderstood um but it basically means that you do have a publishing house okay um so i still had to write a synopsis i had to write a submission letter and a query letter and i had to submit it to their editorial board they then read um, so initially they asked for the first three chapters or the first 30 pages, whatever's, lo whatever's longer, um, which for me is the first three chapters. Um, and, uh, and then they gave that a read. They liked the synopsis. Um, yeah. So that was basically <laughs> all the spoilers. So I'll, I'll never right. show you a synopsis. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I have learned. <laughs> Neil does not <laughs> like spoilers. Um, but um, yeah, so they, they liked the concept. They liked the synopsis. Um, and they liked the writing style. So then I sent them the whole manuscript. Um, and then it was about three weeks later, I got the offer letter. Um, and the difference is, so they, there was parts that I had to pay for, but parts that they would cover. Okay. Um, so traditional, they pay for everything. Right. Um, but then you do typically tend to get a lower royalty. So by being hybrid, I get a higher royalty, but I had to pay for some parts. So it's almost a... Yeah, it, it, it's it's a contract. It's a yeah. legally binding contract at the end of the day. Um, and I did compare it to self-published, which is a work of art on its own. I mean, my hats are off to people who can self-publish because you have to be able to not only create and write the book, you have to be able to format it, you have to be able to market it, you have to be able to distribute it. That was all above my head, yeah. you know, um, and like the editing, my lord yeah. i mean <laughs> editing is not fun editors out there are, are, are gods or goddesses in their own right um i i that was one of the things that i think put me off self-published was i had a quote from someone just on fiverr um like a freelance editor yeah and they for the mathematicians listening they quoted me um between three to five pence per word there are nearly 117,000 words in my book. Ouch. So you can imagine how yeah. much it cost just to get it edited. Then, so when you self-publish, you've then got to pay for the cover designer, you've got to pay for the formatting, 
it, it's all the costs then mount up. So yes, you, you can set the price of your book and you'll get all those royalties, but how many have you got to sell? How much of it have you to, to negate your yeah. losses? How far so, into the black are you at that point? Exactly. So with the hybrid, yes, I get lower royalties than if I was self-published, mm. but I've paid a hell of a lot less than if I was to have self-published the way that I wanted to. Yeah. I mean, there are authors out there that I know that are editors as well, so they don't have to pay those big fees. You know, if you've got those skills, I don't, then fantastic. You know, you can probably save yourself a lot of money and, and you'll get more of those royalties by being self-published. But for me, traditional um, wasn't an option. So hybrid gave me the confidence to make the book real because I had that support, but I wasn't under control. Um, like one of my favorite examples is with the cover. Yeah. They're illustrators. It took three months to get to this. Yeah. Because every single design they sent me was rubbish. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but they were, um, you know, and it, it, it took quite a lot of toing and froing. Whereas with a traditional publisher, they say, this is what we're doing and it will be of a high standard, but if you don't like it, tough. Yeah. Cause you've you signed know. over those rights. Yeah. Um, and saying about the, the title of the book, I chose the withering. Whereas if you get trad published and they read your uh, novel and then go, don't like that, they could change it. And because you're trad published, although you have the creative rights, they have the publishing rights, so they can change it. Uh, and if you want to keep that contract, that deal, you kind of have to go with it. Does the publishing rights incorporate other things further down the line? Yes. Could yeah if that company has the publishing rights are they the ones in the position to you know if netflix were to come in and say yeah we want to make a series of this they don't even have to speak to you um so they would speak to me it's a um so in the case of hybrid um from what i read in my contract anyway say all hybrid publishers could be different yeah but in my contract if it was to be earmarked um by say like netflix or amazon yeah i mean pipe dream much uh but still um we can talk hypothetically um then uh my publisher would reach out to me and say that it's been earmarked um and usually that process like it, it can kind of be earmarked by somebody for over a year um but they will usually put down like a financial deposit type thing right um i would then be told the terms and conditions and asked if i choose to accept it because i would get 50 percent of whatever my publisher receives okay so it's i do have a say i think if the money was that good then they probably go well we really want to go for this yes, let's go you know yeah. what 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 what's it going to take for you to agree to the terms and conditions if i if i had an opposition but then yeah, i can't see why i'd have an opposition <laughs> <laughs> netflix <laughs> yes well yeah yeah i was gonna say netflix they, they might just do one season completely hash it up and then cancel it so yeah maybe netflix I might have an issue. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't heard the offer yet. Yeah. Oh, right. How much do they offer? Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I say, I mean, this was not a money-driven challenge for me. This was just something that I wanted to achieve and never thought I would. Yeah. Because I've yeah. I've heard people say in the past, it's like, I'd like to write a book. Yeah. And I've got a story. And it's like, no, you've got four pages and yes. that, that's what you've got. I mean, and even writing the content, I mean, I, I've known people who, like you say, I've got a story, I've got a book idea or whatever. And, you know, like I say, this one is just shy of 117,000 words. Yeah. Um, you know, most 
fiction novels will be between about 80 to 120,000, give or take. You know, yeah. Some are a bit smaller and every genre has a different kind of expected word count. Yeah. That was a learning curve as well because my first draft of this was over 200,000 words. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it looked a bit more like a phone book rather than a book. Um, but that's why it's now going to be a trilogy. <laughs> so is the trilogy always part of the plan or did it it, it evolved so originally um i thought i'd be able to do one book then i kind of got the draft for this one down and went yeah i've still got a lot more that i want to say i want to cover mm-hmm. so then i and i always planned for it to be a duology two books okay um but then yeah i kind of when i started writing book two i was like there's no way i'm gonna get to the end <laughs> I, I don't know which author it was actually he said Whatever he's writing, he always wanted to be writing the next book. Yeah. You know, and it does get that way, especially once you've kind of finished your first, like, the, well, not your first draft, but the first draft that you as the writer are happy with. Then you have to send it out to beta readers because you'll write things and you'll see it how it's meant, how, how you've seen it in your head. You won't see the errors. I mean, one that was picked up to me just today in my second book is that I wrote should instead of shoulder okay <laughs> you know he, he he put his hand on his should okay <laughs> well we've all done it right? yeah exactly and i i read i could have read that a dozen times and i would have seen shoulder and never seen it yeah so it gets to a point where you know you're you're happy with your manuscript and your draft and you've just got to give it out give, give, give let, let the baby fly yeah um, what is that like when you hand over that terrifying <laughs> terrifying and exciting because i thrive off concise criticism so if people tell me oh i i didn't like this bit or i did like this bit but it didn't leave me feeling the way that i was expecting to feel then i'll go oh okay how can i make it better and i i'm i I get really excited about making my writing better Mm. um i mean if somebody just came up to me and said it's a pile of you know then yeah i'd just i'd be like okay fine bye (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry yeah exactly um but um no so far um all my beta readers have been have been nice thank you (laughs) they um with the characters because i guess the more time you spend writing them yes it's almost like they become real oh they are alive i remember um and I'm going to try not to ruin this for anyone, but the book the book is years old, so I'm hoping a lot of people have read it. They're, one of my favourite authors is Karen Slaughter. Right. And there is one of her books, and I think in the UK and Europe maybe, it was released as Skin Privilege. I think it had a different name in the Originally, US. Originally, yeah. That and, happens a lot in the US compared to the yeah. UK. And the end of it is... <laughs> it's awful. It's... um everything's like a nice happy ending and then in the space of two pages everything's gone to yeah all, to falls, hell. all falls to hell yeah and, and it you know it's the death of of one of the major characters yeah. and i remember remember the first time i read it i had to go back i was like surely i've missed i've got pages stuck together i've yeah. missed something here yeah. and there was a huge backlash yeah. against her yeah. And she ended up um, releasing a letter to the fans, yeah. explaining her side of things. And and she said exactly that, that she says, for a lot of people, these are just characters in a book. But she says, yeah. I've spent 10 years with them. Yeah. They're, 
they're my friends they're my yeah. family yeah and babies <laughs> is it getting like that now and does that help you write the book because you know how that character yeah would i mean i think handle a situation because there's so many characters in my book there are there are times when i really have to put myself into a position that is not my characteristic at all yeah um, i mean there's one character juliet who i'd like to think i am nothing like but i still had to put myself into that mindset and think well how would she react yeah you know any feminist out there i apologize in advance <laughs> um she will not be your cup of tea at all but that's the point yeah you know she's she's meant to be hateable you right. know she's meant to have those characteristics that you just go really yeah um and so of course whenever i was writing from her perspective i had to literally put myself in that situation and go what's the last thing i would do because that's the first thing juliet would do right um uh, and you do you kind of you get to know these characters but also you learn about different types of people uh and i, I do find that i've opened up a lot more to different types of people like you know trust issues or you know difficult family backgrounds, you know, things that I haven't personally experienced. Yeah. I've tried to put myself into that mindset so I can write from their perspective. But at the same time, that's again, my beta readers come in so handy because if I haven't experienced that, they can help tweak it if they, if they have. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying my beta readers have all had like awful backgrounds or anything, but you never know what somebody's experienced. Um, or even like secondhand. You know, a friend might experience this and they, they might have lived through it with them. And it's, it just helps you to, to tweak those personalities ever so slightly. Yeah. I think you see it sometimes when there's a, I guess, a franchise of books yes. and it gets passed from one author to the next. Yes. I mean, well, one and... of my husband's favourites is the Go Trek and Felix series okay. from Warhammer. And it, it travels over a couple of different authors and you yeah. can see the differences. Yeah. They're all good. But you'll usually think, like either the first author or the second author. I, I saw it um, with uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes. You know, when, I mean, sadly, we lost Larson and then it was picked up again. And it was it was almost like meeting a new Lisbeth mm -hmm. and you had to sort of like get to know her again. Yeah. And it's like you could see and, and usually when kind of these authors come in to pick up the end of a franchise, you can see that they obviously love yeah. those characters and they're trying their best to portray them. But at the same time, we're all different. We all have unique perspectives. So how I see Harrison and Riley and Siliana, you might see them completely differently. Mm. You you know, you might think that they'd react differently. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the fantastic part about imagination, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's, you know, your your Harrison might look completely different, although, you know, check out the website and you'll see what it looks yeah. like. <laughs> this is book one. Yes. And I have a go at the pronunciation of the Encia. Encia trilogy. Encia. Yeah, very good, very good. Without giving anything away, what's the, the background of the story? Um, okay, this is going to be really hard without spoilers. Um, so the world that I created, um, I wanted to create, if I said, I, I love escapism. I wanted to create a place I could escape into. And for me, those worlds are magical. Yeah. Um, and whenever you look at any of the best games or books or TV series where there's a magic system involved. It pulls you straight out it does. of where you are and into. But it's usually, that magic system is usually something, there are complexities, but the, the core foundation is quite simple. 
So I straight away had to say, right, what's going to be my simple foundation for magic? Um, so I went with the water system because okay. every planet to survive needs to have a water system. Um, you know, I, I've worked in travel very luckily for too long now, 15 years <coughs> more. Um, and uh, so one thing I've always loved just as, as to physically see it and like mm -hmm. picturing it is that bioluminescence in the yep. water. But rather than it being like an algae, I want it being more like a salt because again, most water has some sort of salt compound in it. Um, but then I kind of went, right, now you need to focus on the complexity. So what's going to be the complexity? I'm going to make it toxic. So um, not a massive spoiler because I'm fairly sure it's on the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, so the, the, but it's only toxic to two of the three key races. Yeah. Um, so you have humans, um, you have uh, the Aaron Sol, who are, for all intents and purposes, a bit like elves, uh, but rather than pointy ears, they've got nose ridges. Uh, <laughs> kind of like the Bajorans from Star Trek for any Trekkies. That I know them, yeah. Um, and then you have the Terrans, who are like a sort of dwarf -esque. They're They're short, they're stout, they live under the mountains. So it's that's where I've kind of taken, I didn't want to just do elves and dwarves. No. You know, it's as much as I love Tolkien, I, yeah, it's... He's 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 nailed that. He, you know, you can't you can't really do elves and dwarves again without trying like tre treading on his toes, basically. Um, so I made my own variations, but so then I could have my own rules about them. I could have my own history about them. There's yeah. going to be no preconceptions. Um, so the Terrans don't make much of a feature. They probably they won't really make much of a feature until book three. Um, but you know they're quite solitary. They're quite happy under their mountain. You yeah. know, leave us alone. Thank you very much. Um, the Aransal are un so. There's usually two types of like elfish, isn't there? They're either the high elves and very hoity-toity, or yeah. they're the slaves. I went down the route of being beaten slaves um, uh, and kind of in hiding because they were almost wiped out, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. So there was a long time before this book. Uh, twenty-five years. Oh. So the uprising war, the original uprising war, um, was only 25 years ago. They were already um, sort of shunned or misunderstood because as being the only race that isn't poisoned by uh, Ensha, by the, by the natural water, people always kind of went, oh, well, you're different. And they were kind, they were, yeah, just that, that sort of shoulder society. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they tried to sort of make themselves disappear. Right. And that was several centuries ago. Because there's also the, the mention of, of mages. Yes. And their descendants. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're not, um, they're not, they're not fully. No. So it's um, magical. Before the uprising war. Um, so the Aronsal were already quite reclusive. But they, the humans basically reached out to them once they discovered they had this immunity to enter and they yeah. wanted to study them. And of course, put two types of people in close confines, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, human nature, literally, because it's yeah. the humans that kind of made this happen. Um, and so the mages are the crossbreed between an Aronsal and a human. Yeah. So they have the Aronsal bloodline, but they also have the human bloodline. Um, and the difference being that the Aronsal have full control over all of the magical abilities. They'll, like anyone with a talent, they'll have ones that they're better at and ones that they're worse at. Um, but with the mages, they seem completely human, but then there's a, a, a trigger moment. 
that will trigger their abilities. It's usually something of high stress or um, devastation, something like that. Mm. But then for the younger ones, it could be just something like a terrible nightmare. Okay. Um, it just purely depends on each person. Um, but most of the time it is quite, it's a stressor. It's something quite stressful. Um, and then they will trigger one type of ability. Um, so either healing or elemental, psionic, um, there's seven different types of magic in my magic system. Um, but the mages will only trigger one, uh, whereas the Aaron Sol can control all seven to varying degrees of, of power. Cool. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> so no spoilers. <laughs> but I know when we spoke before and you told me then you said, no, once you hit chapter five, maybe six. Yeah, I apologize it, for chapter six and seven. <laughs> it, it just goes. And the start of the book is is quite gentle. I mean, yeah. we meet, I guess, our, our main two protagonists, which yes. would be Harrison and Sylviana yes. Stone. Yes, Twins, twin brother and sister. Um, now, they're in training to be wardens, which I'm picturing as kind of like a police force. Sort of, yeah. So um, they are more like the protectors of the people and the police force compared to the military, who are more your soldiers and your fighters. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, horrible husband. <laughs> Tangent there. Um, but yes, so yeah, they are um, a bit like a police force, just hyper trained. Yeah. Um, so they go through quite a grueling process, but it's because they have to be able to defend people against potentially anything. Yeah. Um, and so they are almost pitted against the military. Uh, and and they kind of challenge each other. Yeah. Um. And the reason why they go through this this kind of these grueling conditions is because they should be elite. Yeah. They, you know, they're they're yes, their their primary goal is to protect people, and day to day it'd just be a bit like a beat cop. Yeah. But if something like a war were to happen, they're, they're the first ones. They're the first ones to be looking after the people. You know, yeah. if you, if you need to cross a ravine with twenty people. Well, that's the wardens. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not about the fighting that they do. It's it's the protection. Their um, their relationship is odd, yes. and it's made even worse, I think, by their father, who is basically <laughs> Lord Commander. Yes, yeah. Of the wardens. Yeah. Now, I think as hardworking as Harrison is, yeah, Sylviana's. She's the golden girl, isn't she? She is. She is the apple of her father's eye. Yeah. Um, Harrison has the better connection with his mother. Yeah. Uh, but when you're trained to be a warden, having the the admiration of a baker doesn't really help too much. No. Um, but um, I won't give any spoilers on this really because it will be revealed more in book three as to why Samson and Harrison's relationship is just quite as bad as it is. Yeah, because I hated him. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, can I just say, potential spoiler because you used past tense there. <laughs> it's your podcast you're allowed yeah. <laughs> it's what edits <laughs> the um it, it, it's hard to say it without giving too much away chapter six yeah er, everything comes tumbling down it does a bit it's yeah. like nikki has found her inner tarantino <laughs> it's like <laughs> I mean, I have always said I'm an evil author, and 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 yeah, I kind of live up to it in that chapter, really, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it coming? Not the fire. 
I can say oh, the I can okay. say the yes, fire. The fire yes. is mentioned on the back. I hope. Yes. It yes, is, it, is. it is a devastating it is. fire. I didn't yeah. see that coming. Okay, and probably in quite such quick succession. Um, <laughs> some of the dynamics that took shape. I wanted to say I was kind of there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, yeah so um my my lovely husband has this fantastic saying about book number one it's um it's kind of like you're just taking a nice peaceful walk through a lovely fantasy world and then you get hit by a bus yes and then another bus yeah uh, and then another and bus they just keep coming yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, that, and that's just to keep you busy while the train's <laughs> on its way yeah. it was um <laughs> yeah um I, I think I, I kind of saw things playing out a different way. Okay, I've heard quite a few people saying that. But I, I was almost there. I mean, well, I had one person, one of the very first people to actually read it all the way through. Yeah. She was absolutely adamant that Sliana was going to die before the end of the train. Okay. So it, yeah. that, that, that's how much some people kind of invested into certain characters and then got thrown by the way I actually took it in the end. I do like Harrison and Sliana because yeah. it's almost like you've got hard work with Harrison and you've got talent yes. with Siliana and it makes an interesting yeah. and dynamic I think between What I two. tried to do as well, especially with Siliana, because with her being quite naturally gifted and naturally talented, I wanted to still give her challenges. Yeah. So she then deals with the dynamic of the alcoholic parent, Yeah. which I think for a lot of people, especially if they have experienced that, I personally haven't, but I know people that have, and it's, it was quite a, oh, I can sort of sympathise with her, even though I don't necessarily agree with what she's doing or yeah. saying. I've, I've got to admit, reading that was quite strange in a way, because I, I got used to Samson being strong, this untouchable yep. man, you know, and, and then when you meet him later on, that's He's, not the case. Yeah, and he, he like... breaks. But then that was one of... This is going to sound really sadistic, but it's one of my favourite parts to write because I've always found one of the things that I really latch onto, especially in war films, is when you see the person who looks unbreakable and they find their limit. Yeah. And I could have either taken him down the route of dealing with it well or dealing with it badly. But right. So we're back. A little technical issue, but we're on top of it. Yeah, that would be called okay. rubbish Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> or it's this amazing program that we use. We don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> Samson. Not, I, not very many nice words we can say about him. There aren't. And <laughs> I was just saying to you while we were waiting for, for the system to come back to life, I was picturing uh, the Lannister guy from yeah. um, Game of Thrones. His relationship with his children yeah. without giving it away do we find out a bit more yeah i mean unfortunately you have to wait till book three book three um so for book two is very much more about the siblings okay um it focuses a lot more on their relationship and how that's going to spiral in the direction that it goes um and uh and then the reader will start learning a bit more about why Samson was the way he was. Yeah. It, 
I highly doubt you'll find it redeemable, but <laughs> you never know. There might be some people who are really sympathetic. You've always been open, so this isn't ruining anything, that this is a trilogy. Yes. Do we get an ending with book one? As if you could read book one and say, I'm happy here. Or are you committed now? I think for the majority of people, you'd be committed. Yeah. Um, what happens at the end is very much a cliffhanger. You could technically say, oh, well, she's going to go that way. He's going to go that way. And they're all going to die. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, if, if for somebody who was just like, I'm done with this, this is not my cup of tea, mm. then, yeah, it would just be like a rather tragic ending, I guess. Um, it's not that tragic, actually. Book two is going to be a lot more tragic. All right. <laughs> like I say, if you, if, you, if you don't already hate me by the end of book one, you'll definitely hate me by the end of book two. I'm getting Game of Thrones, Games of Thrones vibes where it's like, just don't get attached to anyone. But just don't tell me who your favourite is because then they will die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my one, one of my very, very good friends who's another author, another local author, she made the mistake of telling me who her favourite character is. Okay. Um, and I, with a huge... You made, you made it your mission. <laughs> no, it wasn't even my mission. It, it, I, with a huge like Cheshire Cat-style grin on my face, I, I, I kind of pointed out that, well, her favourite character has a fatal illness from the start. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I have very much been instructed not to make the end of my book Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah. Um, I, I promise I will not kill Daenerys um, <laughs> with Jon Snow. <laughs> Funnily enough, they're not in my world. <laughs> it's quite difficult yeah, yeah. to do that. <laughs> and there aren't dragons yet. The next. A trilogy's always got the, uh, it's a traditional structure, mm -hmm. beginning, middle and end. Yeah. The beginning is setting everything up. Mm-hmm. It, and it does feel quite fast. I, I yeah. Think, I think one of, the, one of the things that I always loved, I mean, I'm, I'm usually the kind of person that I love the books first, read the books, and sometimes I'll venture into the movies. The only trilogy that I have to put my hands up and say I did the opposite was Lord of the Rings because I really struggled to read Fellowship of the Ring. Because okay. I found there were points where it was just too drawn out. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, we're still here. So I kind of went a bit the opposite way and just went bam, bam, bam. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm much the same with the Lord of the Rings books. Yes. I have read them and yes. I think they are beautifully written. I can't yes. criticise any of it. No, I, I just think I found, I mean, it might have just been my age at the time, so I was obviously quite a bit younger. Maybe if I reread them now, I might not struggle as much as I did. Mm. But I just remember thinking that, what actually happened in Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah. Um, you know, it. Um, but then when I watched the movies, I mm. very much then went, it is important to get that set up. But at the same time, I was absolutely adamant that things needed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and funnily, when I was doing my research, for the books before um, submitting to any of the trad publishers or or even the hybrids, one of the things that I found absolutely like almost a bit shocking was that more so for the American market, but quite it's becoming more universal. If you don't mention the protagonist in the first paragraph and ideally the first sentence, sometimes people won't be invested because they don't know who to care for. They need it that soon on. And by the end of your first chapter or prologue, you have to have some kind of hook. 
Okay. So I completely rewrote my, my prologue. My prologue was originally going to be very Tolkien style and just giving you that kind of history of the world and the background and, you know, almost something that you could skip if you wanted to. Yeah. But if you then went, what on earth is going on? You could kind of refer back to it as a bit of a reference guide. Yeah. But no, no, nowadays that is just not the done thing. Um, uh, and if you want to get anyone to invest in, in your characters, you have to give them a reason to, yeah. and you have to give them a reason fast. Um, see, I see, I read a lot, but I'm not an expert. No. If, if you know what I mean. I, I like, you're my target audience. I, li <laughs> I, li I like the books I like. Yes. Probably couldn't tell you why. Yeah. They just resonate with me yeah. and that's it. Yeah. But I see a similar pattern coming through in film. Yes. In that the the subtleties are they're slowly but surely disappearing. Yeah. Um I think it is generational. I think there is um like that necessity for more immediate reason to care. Yeah. Um whereas I think back kind of in what we probably call the the, the heyday of, of TV and film, those subtleties were part of the enjoyment working it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember when, so they, this publisher, Austin McCauley, um, they, they did say, you know, we really liked your first manuscript, but it was with the old prologue. And that was one of the biggest key things that they suggested that I change. Cause they just were said, you not told that you had to say how somebody was screaming and stuff like that? They, it had to be... My American beta reader. Yes. Yeah. So she's lovely. I love her to bits. Her feedback always makes me laugh. I'm in stitches most of the time when I'm reading her feedback. <laughs> But she, she just says, yeah, very much the books that she likes to read. It's like, you know, it's not just the character is screaming. The character is screaming enthusiastically or, okay. or in, in utter peril or, you know, um, you know so, so loudly that you could see their tonsils. And I'm like, I'm really required. You yeah. know, they're screaming. And yeah. she's like, no, no, it's required. Yeah. Read um, the room. <laughs> yeah. So it's. They're in trouble. Yeah. Um, and it's, so I've, I've tried to incorporate it a bit. Um, and then I remember thinking when I then reread it through and I went, I've done too much. I don't like it. Right. <laughs> it was too much for my style. Yeah. Um, so there are times when it, like, even I read it and kind of go, I didn't want to write it like that. No. But I knew it's what some readers need. Yeah. So I kind of had to tweak my style a bit to make it a bit more universal. Yeah. Um, I'm going to blame TikTok for this. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> I, I am proudly not a TikToker, and the, you know the, the the dead birds, you know the cross with the tweet. Yeah, no, they're they're all dead. Yeah. Um, but um, they they can Twitter on their own because I have no idea about that either. Um, I mean TikTok's a clock, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Some of the 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 younger guys that I work with. They'll be watching it and it's like one video at the top of the screen and another video underneath yeah. it. Like, because the first one isn't engaging enough. Yeah. You need. I mean, more. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but I remember reading um, an article about like kind of generational behaviors and mm. like sort of almost like sussing out what generation you fit into, even if you don't necessarily, like by age, you might be generation Y, yeah. but mentally you might be like generation X because yeah. you're a bit mentally older or whatever. But I remember reading that. For the younger generations, if you don't get their attention within seven seconds, then that's it, you're done. Um, a, a, a friend <laughs> of mine um, that I've recorded a, a lot of episodes with, uh, a friend in London, Dan, 
um, he lovingly refers to them as Generation ADHD. And, <laughs> I like that. I like that. And as soon as you say it to anyone, everyone's like, yeah, I get you. Yeah. I, I completely yeah. get where you're coming from. And I think that's where my publisher was coming from, was that, you know, although it is an adult fiction, mm. it's because there are... I mean, there's quite a, well, there's hints of potential genocide. Um, there is murder and death. There's an alchemist that likes to poison people. And she's also rather provocative, mm -hmm. shall we say. Yep. I've met her. She's got some issues. Yeah. But, she has got many issues. But I think she enjoys every single one of them. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is probably also an issue. She's <laughs> definitely down with the sickness, isn't she? <laughs> Um, but, um, so yeah, so that, that kind of, I, I would have had to have toned all of that down and cut it out for it to be a young adults yeah. book. Um, and also kind of one of the key things that, um, my publisher was saying was that if you want to appeal to the young adult audience, you should really make your main characters younger. Okay. Um, so sort of late, well, early to late teens. Yeah. Whereas I was quite adamant that, no, I wanted them to be in their twenties. Just because, I mean, I, I, I do personally find that sometimes it's almost a bit unbelievable that kids can do some of the things that they do in these fantasy fictions. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted it that the parents were going to be in their 40s to 50s, because that's, again, quite a relatable, like, I'm, I'm definitely not in my 20s anymore, and I still absolutely love this genre. Yeah. So I wanted characters that I could relate to as well. Mm -hmm. You know, come, I'm coming into the, those age ranges. Yeah. So I can appreciate the perceptions of the kids but i can also appreciate the perceptions of the parents yeah um uh, and yeah that was that was a really fun kind of concept to kind of get my head around was trying to think like harrison and riley but also like nate and Paige and samson and Nora and yeah i, I love those parents definitely need to do a free before them i think <laughs> <laughs> you've created all this calendar world histories i'm a nerd yes yeah. <laughs> and i know this is an awful question but will this will the third book be it or will we revisit this world again i'd like to say that we're going to revisit it i i know this question's like yeah it's two or three years in the future maybe yeah i think the i mean well i i, I think the foundation is there now uh, and if I ever say get the itch, then I'll, I'll, it will be where I'll want to dive back into. Mm. Uh, I mean, one of my favourite authors is Cassandra Clare. And, you know, her original trilogy became six books. And then there was three prequel and then three sequel. And now I think there's like over 20. <laughs> She's just lost control. Of yeah, it. <laughs> and it, but they're, they're all fantastic. I mean, there's some of the, the, the latest ones I haven't actually gotten around to reading because my, my to be read list is probably longer than, yeah, my arm, my leg. <laughs> yeah absolutely um but um no i mean she, that 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 world um you know the world that she created the shadow hunters it i mean I, I i almost say that what she's done is almost even more spectacular because she's gone for magical realism mm. so it is based on earth so she's had to get as many of the facts correct you know that my favorite trilogy that she's done is the uh clockwork princess uh, so it's the prequel to the main okay. six books um but it's based in london so she had to get 
some of those key features correct about London in that time frame. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was like, that's a talent all onto itself. Just the research. Yeah. Before you've um, even written. Absolutely. I mean, um, that the, the other local author that um, I touched on briefly, um, her name's Rachel LaMeasure, her books are based in Mexico during the revolution. Okay. And again, the <laughs> amount of research that it took, uh, I mean, I won't, I won't ruin one of my favourite lines just in case you ever interview her yourself, but something occurred that meant that she pretty much had to rewrite all of the third book. And it was nothing to do with her story. Sorry. It was purely the planet okay <laughs> um, so um you know to to make it work with i imagine that's that's always going to be a risk when you you've got a when you're writing a story that has got one foot in reality or in, yeah. at very least one foot in history and that's why i say it's like, to me that is an absolute talent onto itself because like you said at the beginning i've created this world mm -hmm. and i've made the map you know, yeah. before book one came out, if there was a mountain in my way, I could move it. <laughs> you know, oh, that seat. Oh, yeah, I need that seat to yeah, be a bit that, smaller. That that's seat. fine. We're just going to have to yeah, get rid of that. You know, yeah. There's a couple of islands over there, but oh, do you know what? One needs a ferry port now. Blunk, it's yeah. there. You know, marshlands. Yeah. Well, I don't care where you put them. Just. Oh, actually, I do. They're very important in book two. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the Maya becomes very important. Okay. So um, it, you'll be wanting to check it out on the map. I know, I know. Like, Ooh, where's it? <laughs> It's a really, um, like I said, I'm not finished it yet, but I think us as people from Guernsey will have a different experience reading this book. I hope so. Than people from further afield, because yeah. there's a lot from these islands here, isn't there? There are some little Guernseyisms, as I call them. So, yeah. um, so the Hedge Veg being one. Yeah, Hedge Veg is one. Um, the Crown and Anchor Inn. Right. Um, which is also a slight nod to my parents. Okay. Uh, so the, the proprietors of the inn are John and Catherine Marshall, the middle names of my parents. Okay. And my mum's initials are JC. Cool. So <laughs> a little nod to both my parents there. Um, and yeah, as I say, kind of running the local pub. Um, Yazrus, the town that that's in, is also very much kind of modelled on the look of St. Peterport. Yeah. Uh, the Warden Naval Facility on the end is it's Castle Corner. Corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, as I say, yeah, there's the Hedge of Edges, um, which is on the opposite uh, continent. Um, there is an island called Hermia. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. is not too far from. Well, it's a little play on words. Yeah. Hermia. Yep. So, but rather than doing E-H, which just looked weird, I just went with E-A instead for the spelling. But yeah, if you were to just kind of say it as you see it, you, a local would probably go, Hermay? Oh, Hermay! Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I loved putting in those local manners. There's also Saints Bay on the yes, map for the eagle-eyed. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think I'm, I'm plotting to put in Delancey Park okay. um, in one of the books. Only because I really don't see how when I don't have any French, I can really use like Summeray or anything like yeah. that, you know, it's at least Delancey is, you know, yeah. Is readable. In, in, keeping with, in keeping with the common tongue, because obviously not English that they speak, but it's the common tongue. Summeray might be tricky. Because... Yeah. <laughs> people would just like, just can't when, say it. When my sister came over and I've heard it on, I think it was, um, uh, they were like, they came over to do a show and it was about um, some of the boat wrecks that are in and around yes, the harbour. Yes. And I remember and my sister pronounced it the exact same way. Um, 
and when they 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 opened the program and it's like we're here at Sosmarez Manor. I was like, Where? Where? <laughs> you mean Sosmarez? <laughs> and my my sister was the same. She. Can we go to Sosmarez Park? And I was like, yeah. no. If you can tell me where it is, yeah. yeah. No, give me him, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like I, said, I tried to say for the, for the little Guernseyisms that I put in there, I did also try to focus on the ones that. Yes, I, I love them. Like, Saints Bay is one of my favourite areas to go walking. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it wasn't the ones that people can pronounce. <laughs> and, and it's weird the 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 links I was making automatically the the pub the Hawkeye. Yes. Yes. Um, I immediately jumped to the Albion yeah. in town. Um, but you, the, the bar area is from another pub. Yes. Uh, the Dudes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I've always absolutely loved it at the Dudes and that kind of big open, um, like the big open bar area with the big display at the back and just, just how warming mm-hmm. and kind of local country it feels. Yeah. In my head, when I walk through the, the front door of the Hawkeye Tavern, I'm walking into the deuce. Yeah. Um, but that's again, every, uh, and I love that. I love that everyone is going to read this and have different, like they're, they're probably all going to visualise their favourite pub. Yeah. Because that's what you're going to think of. You're going to walk into your favourite pub and then you're going to go and see the, the you know, the owner and he's going to, pour you your favourite drink and your mates are going to be sitting at the bar and that's exactly what Harrison experiences you know when Morgan's there and yeah it's um I and and I'm really pleased to to say that um so most people have come back to me after reading book one saying you wrote out Morgan he didn't have enough of a like a part I'm like don't worry he's coming back back. (laughs) it's nice that it you've given yourself the space yes. with a trilogy that these characters can sort of just fade away and then yes. they, they come back. Only problem is you've got to remember them. Yeah. <laughs> there are some that are forgettable, um, but yeah, there, there are some that you're going to go, I haven't seen this chap since book one. Damn it, what was he again? Yeah. <laughs> That's so where the website comes in. Hand start destroying <laughs> book collections. Where is it? Or, or just pop onto the website with the character. Yeah. The whole reason why the nerdy side of me is like, I, like, Austin McCauley gave us like an author bio page on their website, which it's fine. But I was like, yeah, this this is this is not a book website. I don't I don't nobody cares about me. It's the characters, it's I'm, the book, it's the world. It was nice having that. Because yeah. we, we never used to have that. Yeah. You know, you used to just have to build everything yourself in your yeah. head. And I think for the people who are very imaginative, they just will. And that's yeah. absolutely fine. But for the people who want that visual aid, mm-hmm. it's there um so and then now that the map has been created hopefully it will actually be in the pages of book two and three um i did try very recently and so an edition two is going to be coming out okay hopefully by the end of this year or maybe early next year uh no changes to the actual story or the content of the book but um i wanted to try and get the map in there but unfortunately the only way you can do that is you actually have to completely republish it under a new name Really? Yeah, it's com- it's considered a completely new book if you add in content. Okay. Um, so I was like, right, okay, well, we can't add in content, but what they are doing for me is they are changing the cover because um, a fantastic local designer, um, Dominique Ojakelti, um, she created the bookmark and yep. the banner and has made this into a proper cover for me. Nice. So it's going to um, look very similar to as it does now, only just a lot better. Um, <laughs> no offence, Austin McCauley's graphics team. Um, I've got to admit, I do love the cover. Yeah. I think yeah. it's... I, I was really pleased when we eventually got there, but there were just certain things about it that I think you can see are very much my influence and me kind of saying, 
like this, like this, mm. and like having to send them pictures and images and pretty much asking them to copy it. Um, whereas what Dom did, she literally just listened to my BBC uh, Guernsey radio advert um, and listened to what Ensure is and how it's, you know, the magic, it's the bioluminescence, so there's kind of like your shine from the cover, um, how it's water, so there's the blue, yeah. but then it becomes toxic, which is then it kind of looks more like the smoke and going into the green. Um, and she just absolutely nailed it without any real input from me. Um, and I was just like, yeah, okay, go shop local, people. Where shop were local. you? Where were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why did I meet you afterwards? No, I, I did already know Dom before the, the book came out, um, but I just didn't, I, I didn't even realise the levels of her talent until afterwards, uh, and so, you know, more for me. Um, but um, it is funny, you do tend to find when you go through things like this, you meet the people who you need to know beforehand during the process or afterwards. Mm. Uh, I mean, like uh, Ryan DeHaaf, who was the creator of the like, the, the character drawings, he, yeah. he, he did those for me. Um, and I very much told him, you know, the style I was looking for, very Final Fantasy-esque sketch, um, giving you an outline, but without literally painting that picture for you, there's still room for your imagination to kind of grow. And he just nailed it. You know, yeah. Guernsey Arts recommended him to me and yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, and same with Third Eye Studio, who did the website. You know, they they were absolutely fantastic. Kind of took those fledgling ideas that I had and made them real, which is kind of the bit I was struggling with, was the making them real. <laughs> yeah. It would be, I think, a crime not to return to this world after the trilogy. <laughs> because... Prequel or sequel? What do you want? Everyone does prequels. Do they? Do they? Sequels to Harper. Okay, okay. Now I feel like I've got a challenge. <laughs> right, okay, okay. I've um, always, the one thing I think Tolkien got right with Middle Earth is that the Lord of the Rings story was such a, a tiny part mm -hmm. of everything that he did. Yeah. And yet it's the only thing that a lot of people know. Yeah. There was, there's so many other bodies of work mm -hmm. set around that place. And I think that is the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big... Um, Star Wars fan okay. but the one thing that annoys me and I know it annoys enough people I guess is that they're largely based around one family yeah and it's like there's so much more isn't there so you've got an entire galaxy yeah and you're spending all these films basically <laughs> in one room yeah because and, and I think it would be I can think of a couple of different avenues I would go down for a sequel I obviously can't tell you because we've made spoilers. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there there is obviously the the people that uh, you have personally just met in Carlos. Yeah, how their stories progress, um, and also the Aaron Sar themselves because mm -hmm. there are there are going to be changes coming to you know what their race is going to endure, um, and I could obviously then build on the future of that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I am an evil author, very proudly of it. Yep. Um, so there are some deaths coming up. Awesome. Um, I kind of even the tally a little bit. In book one, there's more deaths on either the good or bad side. And on death two, we very, uh, sorry, on book two, we, we very much even up the score. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, and the death, uh, death three? No, book three is going to be a, probably a free-for-all. Yes. I do actually have two plotted endings for book two. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, and uh, yeah. one the goodies win and one the baddies win. Yeah. 
and I really don't know which one I want to submit. Yeah, I was going to ask because, I mean, I guess the traditional way is that we will live happily ever after. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. No. <laughs> so, as, as you will soon yeah. learn, my friend. <laughs> so it would be, and I guess the uh, the outcome of the ending is, you know, we'll have to sh- shape anything that was, would come after. Yeah. I mean, I I think I pretty much know where I want all of the characters to be at the end of their character arcs. Okay. Um, as I say, there are obviously some distinctions based on whether or not the good guys win or the bad guys win, uh, mostly who's dead and who's alive. Um, but there are some people who will be alive or dead, no matter what, but obviously for any sequels, it'll be the ones that are alive that matter. Um, no offence to the dead. Um, you were all precious to me and... Until you weren't. <laughs> Until all your all, all you could serve me with was with, with your ultimate demise. Um, what, what do you have more fun writing, the good or the bad? Oh, um, depends what mindset I'm in. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I really enjoy writing the baddies parts uh, because it's so outside of my normal characteristics. Right. Um, but then there are times when I do write bits and I go, "Oh, can I really write that?" <laughs> Um, but um, no, and I think I do quite enjoy writing the action scenes okay. um, and combat scenes, things like that. Um, I'm not saying I'm far from the best at it, but it's just something that I personally quite enjoy. I, I, I enjoy the the higher intensity and mm-hmm. the faster pace. Um, not that great on the romance scenes. I'm a bit of a prude, sorry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so yeah, there's although there, there is a romance subplot, and I think I would have been doing the story in inju- injustice if there wasn't. Yeah. Um, because there are some people who read these stories for that romance subplot, like mm-hmm. Aragorn and and yeah. um, and Arwen, or you know whoever, whoever you might so choose. It's not necessarily the focus of the plot. But it helps move the plot along. Um, but um, it adds another layer to it as well, yeah, doesn't it? It does, and it's. I, I do struggle a bit with the romancy parts because I'm just not a massively romantic person. <laughs> um, but I've always enjoyed it when I've read it or played games. So it's yeah, I've kind of felt like it might not be a skill that I'm particularly good at, but. I can get good enough at it to do it justice. Yes. So that that took a bit of work, but but we got there, uh, or getting there. <laughs> I go. I know what you're hinting at, and I. It's kind of nice because there's there's that degree of I think they're very close, but there's also yeah. an awkwardness yes. about them, and I, I think it's because they've known each other for yes. for a long time. And I isn't think it? that was something that. I did really enjoy so I, I think when you think of kind of romance tropes you'll get the love at first sight mm-hmm. but then you'll also have the friends that never really realized they were in love and it's like holy just, just seriously <laughs> tell her damn it um and I did have one, one reader say to me that Harrison is, is lovable but so dopey like seriously <laughs> can he get any stupider and I was like he's not stupid and she was like Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, put a broadsword in his hand and tell him that you're, tell him that yeah. you're stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think it's, I did enjoy, I, I've always enjoyed series and books and, and things where it is that kind of long lasting friends that then it is just like somebody just switches the light bulb and they go, 
oh yeah, what I've always wanted was right in front of me yeah. all the time. Um, and, and that was kind of part of the torture as well for, for some, for certain readers. I mean, yeah. there'll be some readers who really just, just like, oh yeah, okay, that's finally happened. But I, I knew there was a couple of people that were going to be buying it and I knew that would really hit them. So I did it kind of on purpose. We shall have to take a quick break. Because we think we're going to get kicked out. And we're going to go overtime. <laughs> and and we'll... I must let you go eventually. <laughs> and we'll be, we'll be back very shortly. I am chatting. First book came out August. Yes. When does book two drop? Um, so the process according to the publishing contract, takes nine months, 270 days. Okay. However, in book number one, they added a very useful caveat that it was 270 working days, uh, which is a calendar year. Um, by the time you really? add in bank holidays and weekends. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, but now that I have hopefully um, found and hope to use a local editor and a local illustrator, I'm hoping that will shave down a bit at the time. Yeah. Uh, but I am still yet to submit book two to the actual publisher yet because it's still with my beta readers. Okay. Um, so one of the things I think really delayed book one, because uh, it took nearly 18 months to get book one from submission to shelf, mm -hmm. um, was the amount of changes I wanted to make. Okay. Um, we got to the point where the publisher had said, Probably about half a dozen times over. Yep, we're happy. Yep, we're happy. Um, and then I would read through and go, I don't like that bit. <laughs> um, so um, this time, what I'm really hoping to do is, I know I have a good six months once it's been submitted for beta readers or or other critique readers to give me a bit of feedback, and I can still submit those changes. Okay. And there's you know there's no problem for them to make those changes. Um, but I don't want to be in a position like I was with book one where it was like, we were pretty much at sign off. And then I read something and went, I don't like that. And I need to rewrite an entire like three pages to make how I do like it work. And so I'm really trying to be as happy as I possibly can with it before I even submit it this time. Have you found the process a bit easier? <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Edit that. Um, choking on air. That's a new one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say the writing the second book has been a lot more enjoyable for me. Okay. Um, I'm, I just, I do really love it. Um, and I think the editing process will probably be a bit easier as well because I've learned more about my writing style. Yeah. Also, what's grammatically correct. <laughs> the, the glories of an Oxford comma. Mm-hmm. Um, use the word glory rather sarcastically at times. Uh, <laughs> no, it is fantastic, but um, editors love it a lot more than I do. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's. I, I'm hoping that by the time I've heard back from my beta readers, um, or at least, so I, I kind of have a primary four, and then I have an extra kind of three or four that are, I, I, although they, I still consider them beta readers, I'm more asking them about how they felt reading the book and the overall, like what they took away from it rather than going down to like a grammatical level and, okay. you know, should, should not shoulder, you right. know, there, there's, there's different levels. And I, I base that on the speed and the just like 
how involved the beta readers are you know the ones that love the story and have a good time and you know they're less critical um and i'm just really wanting to get that you know how did you feel about the plot okay from them um but yeah the, the kind of core four as i call them um they're the ones that will kind of tell me this needs tweaking that line needs tweaking this plot i know what you mean but you're not quite getting the message across and and they're the the, the critiques that i i thrive off because yeah i can make my writing better um, and I'm hoping to at least hear back from those those call for before I submit it to the publisher. Um, and then once I've submitted it to the publisher, I will reach out to the local editor and say, it's going to be a good kind of six months before we really hear back from them. So let's get cracking and you can start ripping it apart now. <laughs> and with the publishers, being it was, did they say we'll do all three? Um, so they asked for first refusal. Okay. Um, but the way they worded it, which I thought was really quite sweet, is that they basically ask for first refusal because it is my choice. If I'm not happy with them for the first book, I am not tied to them for books two and three. Okay. They just hope that I will choose to use them for books two and three for the yeah. continuity. Okay. Um, so it's very much they've asked me to submit it to them first. Um, and they've not at any point given me any reason to think that they wouldn't yeah. sign it up. Um, but they have basically said, you know, if I got a trad offer and I decided to go down that route, I'm not bound to them. They have the publishing rights of book number one, okay. but I have the full creative rights to the story. Okay. Um, so where I took it from there would be up to me. But... If you do go with them as a favour to all of us with OCD <laughs> across the world... <laughs> Can you ask them to keep the next books the same, same shape size. and size? So I I was really surprised with the, the shape and size of this book because it's a lot bigger than I thought. I was expecting shorter and fatter. Yeah. Um, but apparently this is industry standard. I um, like it. And it's called the, the, so the book size. And I will like more. it even more if the next two the look same. like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will definitely be requesting it. I know that this, um, this book size, Kind of love it it's called royal How okay posh does that sound so now that i know what it's called i can obviously request it for books two and three and yes i join you on that ocd that i would be very upset <laughs> if i can't stack them all together and they're the same height and the same width uh well not quite the same width, but um i think book two is going to be ever so slightly longer than this one um at the moment the manuscript stands at about 388 pages whereas this one's 374. right so you've got about an extra 10 pages i've, I've um most of the books in my collection are uniform mm-hmm. and I'm happy. Okay, <laughs> but the I it's I think it's the Robert Langdon books. Mm-hmm. There's five of them. Okay, yeah, four of them look like they belong to each other, and one of them doesn't, <laughs> and it's the middle one. Right, <laughs> guys. Yeah, what, I think what are you doing? It, it's also the reason why I kind of stuck with paperback and um ebook rather than doing hardback because they did actually say that the hardbacks would automatically be bigger and i was like why <laughs> this no. upsets me greatly yeah. um it, and obviously the, it, issuing hardbacks are are quite a lot dearer on the publication side as well so i mean they have already said that if book one sells well yeah um, and especially now that we're doing the new cover um they have said if nearer to when book two came out, if I wanted to do a hard cover edition of book one to boost sales, that's always on the cards. Yeah. But 
it just kind of feels like money grabbing really (laughs) you know you've got the paperback of edition one and then i release a new cover so you have to get the paperback of edition two now you know you want the hardcover yeah you you know exactly what people are thinking because you've thought it (laughs) when you've seen i'm that person that's bought all three copies of the book (laughs) so we are for, for part two we are i'm hoping for christmas next year Right. Um, but that is me being very hopeful that I hear back from my beta readers in the next four weeks. Um, and that when I do submit it to the publisher that I don't make a thousand and one changes yeah. that delays the process. Um, so yeah, if all goes to plan, Christmas next year, that's what everyone's getting from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be there. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, it would be early 2025, but that just sounds terrifying to say that. I know. Um, because then, yeah, my hope is... is that you, the way to... time goes, that's only a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, pretty very much so. Um, and then my hope is, so with book number two, pretty much throughout the process of waiting for book one, that, that kind of six to nine months for it to kind of, get through their editorial and the proofreading process um i mostly wrote book two in that time Mm. um and so i want to be in a position that when i'm submitting book two alongside working with the editor for kind of tweaks and changes and things but overall i'm happy enough that i can then start like i've I've got my plot for book three far short of the ending because i'd say i have the good guys when the bad guys in i really can't choose um I mean, it might be a little hybrid of both, or I might be one one person did say to me, "Be that really evil author that releases both." I and think <laughs> we've had this discussion, haven't we? We yeah. have, and I would love to do that. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm. Am I that evil? Release both endings and then mention that there was a third. Yeah. And, but then just watch the world burn. <laughs> yes. Um, and because that would just make me smile internally so much, I think. Um, but yeah, and it is it there. There's for book three there is one chapter which is kind of the ultimate battle um and it would just be the turning point in that battle does the good guy win or does the bad guy win and then Mm. the ramifications from there so it would only really be the last probably three chapters right that would be massively affected based on the outcome (laughs) you found i don't know if this is a spoiler or or not about the title of the next book Uh uh-huh it's in the first book, isn't it? It is. It, that's, it, that's kind of become my signature. Is I, that and the, I really liked that. The last line, the of, last the, line. Uh, of the prior book is, or mentions the title of the next book. Yeah. Um, so this one is, leads into Reckoning being the title of the second book. Yeah. And um, again, not really a spoiler, because I mentioned earlier the name of the war is The Uprising. Yeah guess what the title of book number three is there we are um so and it's it's the resurgence of that war yeah obviously in the current timeline rather than there's not really going to be really references back to the war 25 years ago no. but it is it's it's old grievances coming back coming in, back yeah um and it's very much led by the not the secret antagonist but the probably the one that you at least for book one and a good chunk of book two, you wouldn't really think that this character is the the main driving force, but they become the main driving that force. That was the other thing um, I've been wondering as I've read, as I'm reading through the first book. Clunk. Clunk. Um, yeah. Is there 
that Game of Thrones-esque thing where everyone is looking in this direction, but the real <laughs> problem is over here. A little bit. So it, it's rather than being the real problem is over there, it's there's a couple of characters that perhaps are saying or doing things or um, taking actions which just kind of seem like, oh, it's their job or it's yeah. their nature, but they have a driving force. And that has been completely alluded to in the first, and in one case, the second book. Um, and it's just a, that twig moment of, that's why they're doing it. Right. Um, and book two will reveal quite a bit in that respect. Um, yeah, as I say, the, the, the real main antagonist, you probably wouldn't really think it's them until much later on, because you'll be so focused on certain rather obviously evil yeah. characters. Um, I mean, so also I know that you're only in chapter 13 at the moment. Yeah. What are your predictions so far for book one? I'm coming into you. I know. <laughs> I want to see how if you, if you cracked it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm. I'm still torn. In. I. I kind of seen. I, I kind of got close to things that had happened already. Okay. Like, like I said, some of the dynamics within the Stone family, I kind of got, and I kind of got that. Yeah. It, blatantly going to be some conflict <laughs> um but you know i got the the outcome wrong wrong but i i like to think that i ended up more or less in the same it's place sort of like a maths problem you got a point for, for the equation but just yeah you got the yeah, wrong answer i got the wrong answer yeah. <laughs> that's very much sounded like my maths test and any of my maths teachers will tell you that was not a surprise right yeah Five plus five is not apple. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I like how you worked out yeah, the tree and yeah. all these seeds. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We, we, at the moment where I am, the story is not lol. That's the wrong word. It's calmed down a little bit. It's almost like it's taken a breather. I mean, was it earlier that we said about buses and trains? Because yeah. it's kind of where I want to go, choo-choo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm just waiting for, you know. You haven't got long to wait, I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of like, oh, and then they happened across a nuclear power station that was in full meltdown. And it was like, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, everything's quite calm at the moment or a lot calmer than it has been. Uh, but I mean, it, everyone needs a break for about exactly. 30 seconds, right? It is that deep breath, isn't it, before the next drop? Yeah. Um, this this is where it's going from the establishment of book one and the world and the characters and, yeah. and almost kind of like the history and people's preconceptions to what's going to happen next. So it's what, what you're about to walk into is leading up to the cliffhanger-esque, which will then lead into book two. And yeah. as I say, for, for there are people who will read the end of book one and go, I'm done with these characters. Yep, that's all on fire. That's fine, you know. <laughs> See, <laughs> and then there'll be some people who will go, "Call the fire brigade right now! I need book two. <laughs> I think it's a trilogy, which sits so well with me because I love 
and I always have loved a series of books. Yeah, and me. And I think it probably comes from like as a kid, like the famous five books. Yeah, just just getting that involvement and that you know, connection to those characters. Uh, and like I said, with, with Karen Slaughter and her characters, you know, I, I've known them characters now for for ten years more. Yeah. I don't know. And it's nice that uh, you know, I'll get to see these guys again. Yes. I don't know for how long. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now you know how prone to murder I am. Yeah. You're probably a little bit, uh, a little bit more cautious. I yeah. say, when people are already dying when you meet them, I mean, just don't tell me they're your favourite. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I remember. Um, In fact, you could probably trick me quite well by saying one's your favourite that you really hate, because then I will probably kill them. I remember a friend of mine going into Game of Thrones. And I said, yeah, great, but don't get attached to anyone. <laughs> okay, I... okay. And then about yeah, four or five episodes in, they were like, I think Ned Stark's going to be king. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I must admit, I love Ned Stark. And that was, I'd make, I'd like, I mean, I know Sean Bean dies in the scene, and, and it, I'm sorry, but and it's, it's <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I don't regret it. <laughs> So, next Christmas, hopefully. Hopefully. For book two. Fingers crossed. Everyone go out and buy The Withering. You're all over Amazon, I've seen you. Uh, yes, I am on Amazon, WH Smith. WH uh, Smith. For um, the Americans or further out of field, there's also Barnes & Noble. Awesome. Um, I think mostly online, though. Yeah. Um, but locally, um, I also love to support local and uh, Kelvin at the writer's block in yes. the commercial arcade. Wonderful, wonderful He's, shop. Yeah, my new favourite, um, my new favourite shopping spot. But he is frequently stocking copies yeah. and um, uh, and can happily order them. That's actually where I got out. mine from. Um, so yeah, he's. Um, I think W. H. Smith can order to collect in the store over here. Right. Um, but yeah, I, if if I was to, to recommend anywhere, I'd recommend the writer's block yeah. to, to pick up it your is, copy. It is an amazing. I know it doesn't do anybody who doesn't live in Guernsey any good. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for any non-locals. Yeah. Say we've got Amazon, um, who frequently has special offers, and I think they've actually got about fifteen percent off at the moment. Um. So um, and it is Amazon globally as well. So yeah. I've got friends and family in Canada and Australia that have been able to pick it up um, and it's come through. There's a few little indie shops as well, which I think probably get stocked by someone like Amazon. Um, So yeah, it is, it is internationally available, which is another reason why I did not want to (laughs) self-publish because they do this for me. It's great. Um, I will do my very best to post links and everything to your website and Fantastic. we'll get this shared and everything i was about to ask you if, if you if you will come back to dead man's chest <laughs> and then i realized i'm sat in your house um, <laughs> but i'm happy for dead man's chest to come back to me awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah no um as i say thank you ever so much for giving me the opportunity to have a chat about it's this book. <laughs> really nice like i said i normally do films well I always do films and I was like, how the hell do I research a book? <laughs> I was like, you read it. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, I, I mean, next time you get me on a Final Fantasy tangent, that'll be it. We'll be here for about three hours. So, I mean, yeah. if, if you want to see a real hint to where this came from, the yeah. live stream, check out Final Fantasy VII. I will. So, I mean, there's <laughs> there's big nods to Final Fantasy VII and X, and even fifteen, to be fair. And I mean, they're not that, like seven and ten are probably my favourites. But there are little nods to Final Fantasy throughout. I meant to ask you actually about sort of 
I can, I can read this book and, and make those connections, but there are only connections to things I've read or seen. Yeah. If So in effect, they, they don't really matter because if, if you haven't read or seen those things, yeah. then any connections I've made between them are coincidental. It, it's best. something that you, you can enjoy. And like there, there are certain scenes that people who have played Final Fantasy or The Witcher, they'll go, I know what inspired her there. Mm. And it's, it's my own take on it. It's my own twist. Yeah. But it's also my nod to those greats because, you know, <clears> they, <throat> they inspired my childhood and even my adulthood. Yeah. You know, I can still sit down now and play Final Fantasy X, even with its, like, I mean, 20-year-old graphics. And I can sit there and love that more than some of the, the <laughs> modern stuff. Um, and it is. It, it, this is my way of, I think I even put an acknowledgement to the creator of Final Fantasy in here. Um, I'm sure I did. Very... There was definitely a nod to it. Yeah, the yeah. Final Fantasy series creator Tetsuya Nomura, um, and it is it, it, it's it's something that I have absolutely adored since I was probably about fifteen. Um, so yeah, um, and now I get to share my nerdiness with the world. <laughs> so please be nice. <laughs> and I'm I mean, there's it. one thing that hopefully Dead Man's Chest can help me with. Name it. I'm really hoping to hit fifteen reviews by the end of the year. I'm currently at ten. Okay. So all I need is five we people. Need, we to... need some more reviews. Please, we'll, we'll rustle people. them up. We'll rustle them up. <laughs> Apparently, a, a good friend of mine joked once that once you hit fifteen reviews, Amazon will send you a unicorn. So you know, if I hit twenty reviews, I'll get a dragon. We need a unicorn. Uh, or we... I, I prefer a dragon, but you know, I feel like asking for twenty is asking for Keep right. the unicorn, feed it to the dragon. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of mean. It's kind of mean. Uh, you can just keep both <laughs> <laughs> separately. <laughs> no, I'm loving it, and I can't wait for the next one. So you are going to have to get a wiggle on. <laughs> um, Tell my beta readers. <laughs> I guess, I guess, if fantasy, if dystopia, a yeah. little bit, there's a yeah, dystopian fantasy is very much the genre. There's so. almost a. a dictatorship element in mm -hmm. there as well i i guess if you're a fan of things like the hunger games yeah i um, can the divergent series divergent um, i can see yeah um i say which is quite a bit in the, there which is definitely um, in Lord there of the rings Lord it, of the rings to kind I of think. a modern take yeah um because i do try and get those little things that might be familiar um yeah. so it's yeah kind of a, a modern twist on a, on a dystopian fantasy um, no. and that's yeah that's me in a nutshell no absolutely loving it everyone go out and get it everyone <laughs> go out and review yes, it and thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need those reviews nikki it's been amazing thank you ever so much thank you very much Bye. and i hopefully will be back a lot quicker with new shows very very soon hopefully 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 otherwise i think i know people are going to tell you off yeah <laughs> right, me too right. thank you and yeah i will speak to you guys very soon <laughs>